0: Hi and welcome to my podcast, Pure Happy Healthy. My name is Leandra Haupt, I'm your host and I have an interview interview guest for you today. His name is Daniel Bruce Levin, also known as Danny, as he would like to be referred to. And he does so, so, so many things. He's a book author of the book The Mosaic, and a speaker, and has a podcast also with the name the Mosaic Podcast, and he does um, documentary projects, also different projects where he goes out and listens to people, just like strangers on the street, and shows it publicly and yeah he just does so many things and has done already so many things in his life also he used to be a monk in his past for almost a decade where we will talk about a bit further in the conversation this interview was a very very special interview for me as um, yeah i we didn't always agree on every topic, but somehow we did. And it really changed my perception and my view on things, on some things at least. And um, yeah, I found it so interesting to speak with someone who somehow does have the same opinion about things, but at the same time sees it from a completely different angle. And we realized that we have also some common things in our past for losing people that we love and um, in terms of death and that has shaped us um, yeah, tremendously in our life and has taken a path in our life that we would have never expected. So it's a very deep conversation about very private and personal topics but also um, about what he's doing and what's inspiring him and about life just in general and all the beauty that it holds and yeah that we can see and really find everywhere and for me the main message and the key message in the whole podcast interview was really listen. Listen to your own body, listen to the nature, listen to other people around you, listen to your own mind and when we really carefully listen that we can perceive so much information that really helps us in our everyday life. So that was such a big message for me and I've tried to integrate that in my everyday life and just be a better listener because I think we often and I mean I have a podcast I love to speak but it's just as important that we also learn how to be good listeners and Yeah, just be open to other people and sometimes as he shares a little story in the end, that can mean the world to someone. So without further ado, we will get into that conversation now. I wish you so much fun listening to that and yeah, so much new knowledge and wisdom. Yeah, so today I got a really amazing interview guest here with me, it's Danny. He's in the United States at the moment where we have some crazy times in times of the Black Lives Matter movement and the COVID-19 going wild. And um, yeah, I'm still so glad that there is technology so we can connect even through these crazy times. So hi and welcome to my show, Danny.
1: Thank you. This is a brief repose from the world that lives around me. So I'm very happy to be with you. How are (laughs) you today?
0: I'm really great and I hope you're too
1: absolutely it uh, you know early on i learned that if you live at the edge of the wheel you get thrown by every time the wheel turns <laughs> but if you live at the core of the wheel if you're at the if you're at the hub then it doesn't matter how much the wheel turns you only get moved a very little bit and you stay centered and you just watch the world go around but it doesn't it it the world that we're living in today with covid-19 with this with um, the race protests, with the way women are being treated, it's almost as if every structure that we knew and every structure that we believed in, businesses are failing because of because everything is being revamped. And it was almost as if COVID-19, as, as tragic as it is for those people who lost their lives through it, put us into a pause which made us reflect back on what is this life we're living? And is this the life we have, we want to live? And it's sort of making us reevaluate our core principles, our core ideas. And so it's really a very blessed time because Mm. it's, it's slowing it down and it's making us not cover up our, our troubles by running quickly past them. Mm. And everybody's having to sit in them and see how do I really believe? What do I really think? Um, I had someone just—it's so interesting because I was a, on a show and someone we were talking about the race riots and George Floyd, and I—I I, I always said to people I was really mad at God because at the last minute He turned me into a white boy. I was supposed to be black all along. I was supposed to be a black guy, and at the last minute I came out and I looked at myself and I went, "Oh my God, I'm, I'm not black. I'm white." And I and I, and I was so. Someone with that leaning you would think would have, I, I think I'm one of the least racist people I know, and yet they sent me this Harvard standardized test, and it looks at how you think about color, so people of color, and how you think about people of, of, from different borders, and how you think about economics, and there are many different standardized tests that you can take really quick, it's, they're really quick tests that you can take to see where you, and I took the one on color, just because I wanted to see how I would be, I was shocked. Because what I found is I have a high propensity to be more comfortable with people of white people rather than people of darker people. And it shocked me because I thought, oh my God, even if, if I have that, then what, how deeply buried into our systems are mm. um, this, is, this? is that white is good and black is bad. If you think of all the terminology we have in America you know of of this is good and this is bad it we it's built into the system without us even thinking about it mm. that light is good and dark is bad
0: yeah, it's so you sublime, know. I think, and also some things that we we say on a regular basis they could um be seen as racist from black people and also i sometimes even struggle with the terminology and i'm i'm really asking myself oh was that now the, the right thing, the right word to use or the right sentence to say, right, right thing to put it? And I think a lot of people are struggling with that because you really try to be careful to say the right things, but then we get so insecure about this again that it becomes kind of awkward. That's my feeling to it, because I really wanna um yeah, be politically correct in in every way, and then sometimes we struggle even with that. So, um, yeah, it, because it's also, as you said, so built in already in the whole history, maybe for you guys in the U.S. even more than for us in Germany, maybe because of your history. But um, yeah, even here, I suppose.
1: Yeah. And so part of me thinks, you know what, it's a, it, I can never win the war of being politically correct. What I have to really do is win the war of being completely myself. And and, and when I'm at peace with myself, I know what I believe. And, I, and if I say the wrong thing, I'll say the wrong thing. But you know what? I know through the vibration that I put out, not just the words that I say, that I can hold the space that says to everybody, you are fine, you are loved, you are listened to, you are heard. And when I hold that space, if I say the wrong word, it, you know, so be it. I mean, it's just so inherent in our, in our being. But at the same time, I wanna take a look at, at myself and look at the things that I believe and sort of clean out some of those dirty spaces that I didn't even know existed because they're buried in just unconscious patterns that have been fed to me through radio and the TV movies, news, um, belief systems. And so it's a, but at a certain point you just have to trust the instincts you have to, we have to say, look, you are a beautiful person. I can tell that from just sitting here a few minutes with you in the green room. And, and you make some mistakes, you make some mistakes. And so, well, you know, we, so we get back up and we say, I'm really sorry. I never intended it that way. And, and, and we learn from it. Mm. Yes, but it the, can't stifle us. You can't like we we gotta be careful that it doesn't stifle us from moving forward.
0: I completely agree that um I mean I think our subconscious is bigger than our conscious mind and therefore sending out the good vibration and sending out the good intentions and the um, positive vibes and, and the understanding and the openness for people is probably a bigger part and so much more important than the word that you say. But I still try not to use the wrong words because I know that yes. if you already are in a minority, that probably also wrong words can trigger you really much because of the very painful um, yeah, history of, of the people. And I, in my privileged white, um, German, <laughs> Um heritage perspective, I cannot really fully understand because I have never been in the other perspective. But I mean, even being a woman, sometimes I know that situation and then I want to be understood in my um situation and I want the, the other person to use the right word. So I think even there, we still have to be careful. And even if we put out the good intention and the good vibes, it's still so, so important because words, make our thinking, as you probably know also from manifesting, et cetera. So the words that you use are so powerful um, that we have to be careful also in terms of um, yeah, speaking to minorities.
1: Yeah. You know, Leandra, I had a really beautiful life that I've lived so far. And one of the things about the life that I've been able to live is the diversity that it's given me. I have been able to sit with some of the richest people in the world, not just in audiences with them, but in their homes. I've met their parents. I've met their children. We have sat around the dinner table. They've, and we've talked about things that are meaningful, like you and I are talking now they've counseled me and they've asked for my counsel to them on many different things. And it's been such a beautiful moment to be able to sit with people of that much influence and to have those conversations. And yet, I've also done the other side. I've sat on street corners with this, with the poorest of the poor. And I've had the same exact conversations where we've spoken about what's meaningful to them and what's good and what, and what's, what they feel good about and and what's important to them and what they need in their life. And they've counseled me and, and asked me upon sometimes for counsel too. And one of the most beautiful things that I've seen, Leandra, is that no matter how much money a person has, no matter what color their skin, no matter what religion they practice, no matter what border they live behind, no matter who they think they are or who they say they are, everyone wants the same basic three things. People want to be loved and accepted. They want to be listened to and heard. They want to be acknowledged and validated. Mm -hmm. And once we can do that for people, the words we say aren't as important. I mean, sure, our words are important and we want to get our words right because we don't want to offend anybody. But when people feel listened to and heard and loved and accepted and validated and acknowledged, no one in my 65 years of life has ever said to me, Danny, you have to agree with me. Because agreeing, they, some of my best friends have the most wild beliefs you could ever imagine. I would never believe what they believe. But that's not the basis of our friendship. Our friendship is the love that we feel and, the, and the just the, the connection that we do have, not the disconnections that we have. And I think one of the things that the world has gone through right now is that really needs to change. And from the mosaic, this is what the mosaic taught me, is teaching me, is that a mosaic, sometimes the pieces are just connected corner to corner they're not connected side to side. And so when we're only connected corner to corner, what you believe and what I believe is very, the overlap on that is can be very, very small. But we find that connection point and that's what makes the mosaic remain whole rather than what we do now is say, well, we look at all the places where we don't agree. And and I think the world is in, caught up in this, in this argumentation mode where we are finding what's wrong with each other rather than finding what's right with each other. Mm -hmm. Because when all of us want the same thing, if our children get hurt, every single one of us is going to feel pain. It's, there's nobody in the world that feels happy when their children get hurt. Yeah. Right I have to,
0: we have to step back a little bit because um, we started right in the conversation and you've already talked about um, a little bit about uh, yeah, your past with who you um, sat with and about, you mentioned the Mosaic. But I would like to get it a bit more clear for my listeners. Please. Um, so would you like to explain um, who is Danny?
1: Oh, here we go. Okay. (laughs) Um, uh, I am the same that I've always been. And as much as I change, I realize I'm still the same. And at the core of who we are, I think is the core of who I am. Nothing much changes. I mean, I put on a different costume, I put on a different outfit, I put, on, I put on a few pounds, I take off a few pounds. I have a bit of more money, I have a bit less money, but at the heart of who I am, I'm always the same. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that, what I just said, that, that all the people that I've ever met, whether they're rich or poor, or, or, or black or white, or f- from different borders, when I realized that everybody wanted the same thing, I realized I had the capacity to give that it's so easy to just love and accept people. It's so easy to just listen to people and hear what they want to say. It's so easy to acknowledge that what people are saying is what they're saying and to validate them for saying it. that I could do that. And I found that in doing that, no matter what, who I was speaking to, people just lit up and people just relaxed. The fight that was in them of, how, of trying to convince me of what they believe and what they think died. They didn't. They didn't have to convince me anymore because I was just I was open and willing to hear to listen to them. Right now, I'm doing. I started something because I, was a, I wanted to go out on the road and just sit with people and and listen to people. And because of COVID-19, I couldn't do it. But I wanted to go from town to town and village to village and city to city and sit on street corners and restaurants and cafes and and government offices and schools and hospitals and shelters and all sorts of things and just be there to listen to people. And COVID-19 made it impossible for me to do that right now. Mm-hmm. But I, de- I decided what would happen if I just did started to do short interviews and I started something called 50 conversations with 50 strangers. And I romantically thought that it would take 50 days for me to do that. Well, you know what my calendar is booked with eight appointments a day of people that just want to have conversations and, and it's, and it, it will just continue to grow. I don't be hundred conversations, a thousand conversations and people are so happy just to have the opportunity to just be heard because in a world of 8 billion people, so many of us don't feel like our voices matter. And when someone, I I, I was talking to someone the other, just in one of these interviews, and I just said, how are you? I mean, I know I asked you, how are you? And you said, fine, fine. But like, really, how are you? And she just started crying and crying Mm. and crying. And I said, how is that possible that you're you're just crying? She said, because I just really feel that you want to know how I am. And I can't remember the last time someone wanted to just know who I am.
0: Mm. yeah. Yeah, you say that it's such an easy thing to give, to give love and to give um, the appreciation for people and to give, um, yeah, the capacity to listen. But I think for a lot of people that is not easy because I think when you don't love yourself and if if you don't, um, yeah, if, if you don't feel heard, Generally, um, then it's really hard for you to give love. And then it's really hard for you to also just listen because if you don't have the feeling that someone hears you, you don't have the capacity to listen, I think. So maybe that might be easy for you. But I think for a lot of people, that is something that either needs to be really practiced throughout life or that a lot of people, yeah, just um, maybe don't have or, yeah, because they didn't work on this. And as you,
1: so, so one of the things I do, and I appreciate your perspective on that. And I really hear you. I want you to know that I really hear you. And what if that just, isn't true. What if those are just stories that we make up stories that we tell ourselves to make something that is so easy, something that seems so hard. And one of the things that I learned early on in my, in my life is those things that I wanted most from other people, if I would give them to other people it would be a surefire way to have them come back to me somehow. It might not come back from those people, but if I gave the qualities that I most wanted, I would receive those qualities somewhere along the line. Mm. And it can't be a manipulative thing if I'm giving it because I want to receive it. It's just when we feel that we need to be heard, listen, listen, listen to others and find out what happens just in the process of doing that listening is this magical tool that opens up worlds where people say wow i really felt listened by you. I, I really felt heard by you mm. and and the more that happens we make up stories after stories after stories after stories beautiful stories rational stories uh, very very understandable stories but they're just stories
0: I completely, um, I completely agree with that, that what you want to have more of, then you need to give it and it will return to you. But I also think if you don't have all of this for yourself first, that was what I wanted to say with it, then it's hard for you to give it. If, Why? If you don't love yourself, how do you want to feel love?
1: Why, why is it? Why if you don't have something, is it hard to give? Doctors don't have cancer, but they cure people with cancer.
0: <laughs> That's a funny <laughs> example, yeah.
1: <laughs> right, I, but it's true, right? I mean, I can I just mean...
0: say it from from my experience in life that um, for a long time, I wasn't able to love myself. And therefore I didn't really feel love for anyone else. So for me, that was really a journey for starting to appreciate and love myself. And I realized the more I love myself, the more love I can give to other people. And then the more love gets returned, which obviously adds up. But I think from a place where you hate yourself, I don't say it's not possible, but it's, I think it's really hard to give love.
1: So I think exactly the opposite. Even I <laughs> Interesting. What, I even, which, is, which is what mm-hmm. I love. And even though I know what you're saying is so makes so much sense... And I understand that also because I know how how much my love has changed when I learned self-love. But for me, it was way easier for me to love you than it was for me to love me. And I learned how to love by loving other people first because I I would never treat you the way I treated me. I would, I, if, if you and I were going for a walk and you fell down, I would lay down beside you. I would see if you're okay. I would help you up if you, when you were ready to get up. I would hold you for a few moments to make sure you were steady on your feet. If you, if you, I would watch you take steps. I would walk with you for a few steps. I would watch you take steps for 20 more steps, and I would see you on your way, and I'd go, great, she's fine. If you and I were walking and I fell down, I would say, "You stupid idiot, you just met this person why <laughs> trip what are you you're like yeah. and, and we are so much for me I find society as a, as a whole we are so much harder on ourselves than we are on others and so sometimes when we're hard on ourselves and we're easy on other people, the lesson for us to learn is for me because I'm just not smart enough to to go through all the stuff that I have to go through is when I learn how to love another person then I can learn how to love myself like I, wow you did something to me and I can forgive you so easily why don't I try to do that on me now because I know what forgiveness does so then Mm -hmm. I learned that that's the way to love myself is to forgive myself that's the way to love myself by not putting myself down I would never put you down the way I put myself down so then why do I so stop putting let's 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 stop putting myself down but the keys that I learned are in the way that I love other people and then that helped me to love myself and then I agree. Once I start to love myself, the way, the quality, and the and the intensity, and the and the capacity of the love that I'm able to give to other people grows also. But at the place where I don't love me and I don't love you, it's easier to love you than it is me, and learn from that. Or if it's easier to love yourself first, love yourself first. But you got to just do it because the stories mm-hmm. that we tell each ourselves are making it that we just don't do it and we just sit in loathing, in self loathing, and 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 hatred for other people.
0: Yeah that's
1: it's interesting Does that, make sense that you,
0: at all? yeah definitely it's it's interesting that you see it from a completely different angle and maybe it's different for every person but i guess as you already said whatever makes sense to you the important thing is that you have and feel the love and that as you said as well before that we give what we want to have more of and that yes. works with really everything in life i think it it works with money It works with appreciation for other people, listening, um, yeah, really. Yeah, so if you buy that
1: concept that we give, what we want from other people, we give to other people, then how could we say that it's not possible to love another person until we love ourselves? It's just another perspective that isn't the right perspective or the wrong perspective. Mm. It's just another perspective. And when we put all this perspectives together, like a mosaic, we start mm. to build the, the character of who we are as a person. years ago I used to say, I used to just be in, in situations where I would just help people and people would say, well, you can't help people if you if you're not helping yourself. And I said, that would be true if we were only human beings. But the divine will use whatever it's whatever vehicle is possible, whatever vehicle is willing. You're right, I can't do anything. But the divine coming through me, even if I'm a broken pot, he'll come through the brokenness of my pot and shine onto the world in whatever way he or she can. Because he there's it's so important that the message of, of love gets out there, that, that he or she will use whatever vehicle is available to him, whether it's broken or whole, it doesn't matter to him or her. And so... Yes, we can't do anything, but we aren't doing anything anyway. The divine flows through us and we just are a channel for that divine. And the more we allow that divine to flow through us, the more we disappear and the divine appears.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's such a good perspective because I often think that we need to charge up our batteries first before we can give to others. Um, But Your perspective is is on a very different angle and it completely makes sense to me as well. So I find it very interesting how we can have different perspectives on one topic that both kind of work, I would say. Um, Yes. Depending on which angle you observe it.
1: Yeah. And, And the beauty to me is the diversity of possibilities. That when when we get stuck, we get caught in our silos of like-minded communities where we think alike, we feel alike. This is what we believe. This is the way. There's no other way. There is is always another way. My point of view is one perspective, one degree of a 360-degree world. And from all the other 359 degrees, there are ways of looking at the same exact thing and seeing it slightly differently. And so when we're able to embrace all of those possibilities, that's when innovation happens. That's when it happens in our lives as, a, as humans, as, as regular as beings. That's when it happens in our businesses. That's when it happens in our marriages. That's when it happens in our families. That's when it happens in our education system. That's when it happens in our medical system. When we're open to all the perspectives that exist without saying you can never be this without this. As soon as we find ourselves saying it can never be this way without being this way, uh, sirens (laughs) go. I'm a big guy. I walk into a room and I'm a little bit clumsy. And so I bump into (laughs) tables and I knock stuff over. uh, and, and, And I look at people and I say, oh, I'm so sorry I knocked that down. But now that it's on the floor, I'll help you pick it up. I'll help you piece it all together. But let's only put back on the table what you really want. Because there's a lot of stuff on this table that you probably don't want anymore. There's a lot of stuff here that you probably don't need anymore. So let's take the opportunity to throw that stuff away. Why bring it back onto the table now that it's on the floor? Let's just put it into the trash. And let's bring together, bring back onto our being, into our being, those things that we want to keep, not the things that we don't want to keep. They're already gone. They're off the table. Let's mm-hmm. Why bring them back? <laughs>
0: I know that is just an analogy, but um, what I, are you a minimalist in your life in different I areas? I love a minimalist. Oh, yes. yes? Yeah.
1: I don't believe... Yeah, well, you don't need to have anything. What do you need?
0: Mm-hmm. I read about you that uh, you lived 10 years as a monk. Um, yes. What was your learning experience as a monk?
1: Um, learning experience means sort of a head relationship, I think. What I really want to re- relate to you from is... is When you fall in love, and I'm sure you've fallen in love at one point in your life, and when you fall in love, you don't want to do anything but be with your lover. You think about them all day long. You want to be with them. You can't wait for them to hold you and to hold hold them. For me, being a monk was, was being in love with my divine. And all I thought about was the love affair of being with my God. I couldn't wait to get home and just sit and be with him. I call him him, but it probably, it probably, I call her her divine mother. <laughs> Father. I call them both, so, so I never know what to say, but I couldn't wait to come home and sit with my God because, and I couldn't wait to carry my God into my life with me and introduce him to the people that I was meeting in my life and share my life in the work that I was doing and the interactions I was having. And the beauty of being a monk was it that gave me the space not have any other responsibilities but the responsibility to be with my beloved and when you spend that time with with someone you love so dearly you just fall more and more and more in love and it was like this intoxicating love affair that i couldn't i couldn't wake up early enough in the morning so that i could sit with my divine wow and i And I just wanted to sit all day, and we would sit from sometimes 3 in the morning till 8 in the morning just to get the day going. And then we would go to work a little bit, and then at around 10 o'clock, we would would take a break and have an hour where we would sit again just to to hold the presence of, of the divine. We would break for lunch, and we would eat together with our beloved. In silence, as a as a group of monks, we would sit together, but in silence, eating with our beloved, and then we would come home around four o'clock, and meditate until seven, eight, and 10, 10 o'clock at night. Now, whatever we could stay up. Sometimes I meditated like this, <laughs> but most <laughs> of the time it, yeah. it was most of the time I, I, it was beautiful because the intoxication was so strong that why would you ever fall asleep? But sometimes you fall asleep in the arms of your beloved, and you love, and it's beautiful. Like there was no judgment in that. If I fell asleep in the arms of my beloved, I fell asleep. And even though I'm married now, my, my wife says to me, she's going to write a book. I married a monk because I still, I, I was up at one o'clock this morning. Wow. Our time. Our time. Wow. And I That's just, when I, I went to bed. <laughs> I, and I just, I just, somehow, whether it's the full moon, whether it's something going on, I just, I I, I don't sleep that much. Hmm. And, I just feel like the most sacred time in the world is the time when the world's quiet. Mm. And when the world is quiet, then there's no noise from the world around me mm-hmm. to interrupt that life. Yeah. And yeah. even with a family, and even with kids, and even with all the things that are going on, at one o'clock I'm pretty much alone.
0: Mm. Well, you said now you're married, so um, what made you um, leave your life as a monk? I didn't want to. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, I, I was traveling, I was leading pilgrimages around the world and I went to, I was friends with a woman who was in our, in the community that I was in and probably I was a little lonely and flirtatious more than a monk should be. And I went away to, um, Israel to, to, uh, create a pilgrimage for the, for the community of people we served. And when I came back, she picked me up at the airport. And she said, I have a surprise for you. I said, really, what's that? And she said, while you were going, I moved you out of the monastery and into my house. And I said, you did what? She said, well, you know, we've been a little bit flirtatious. And I think it's probably time for you to experience the life. And, and we ended up getting married. Wow. And we had, then, we had a, then we had a baby girl. And the baby girl was developmentally delayed. Um, and so then life took a different focus for us. Then my wife had had um, a very, a very, very, very terrible cancer, and she spent the last two and a half years of her life in blood curdling, screaming pain, for 45 minutes every 45 minutes. So she would have 45 minutes of pain, screaming pain, and then 45 minutes with no pain, and it would be all day, all night, and for me, who thought he was the great white knight, who thought I could come into any situation and lift people up and help people and and rescue people. Um, Boy, did I learn a lot there because I was two inches from her and I couldn't take one moment of her pain away. And boy, did that humble me. Mm. And she ended up, and I ended up staying with her until the moment she passed away in my arms. Mm. And uh, then I was taking care of my, her developmentally delayed daughter who was 8 years old at that point by myself which I had no idea how to do mm. but my daughter taught me the greatest gift you could ever imagine and she's been the biggest gift Not all, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have said it all the time but she taught me the greatest gift you could ever imagine and she's the one who got me into listening because she doesn't she's not able to speak like you and I speak. So she would try and say something and people wouldn't understand her and she would count on me to understand her. And most of the time I did because we were just that connected. We loved each other so much that it wasn't the word somehow. It was just I could, I could sort of feel what she was saying. But many times I couldn't. And when I couldn't, she would yell, thinking that she, if she said it louder, maybe I would hear it. And to her credit, sometimes when she raised her voice, she said it a little bit differently, and I got the words that she was saying, but most times not. And when she would yell it, and she I didn't understand it, then she would go into a tantrum. And she could, could be at any time of day. We could have been anywhere. We could be in a restaurant, in a store, with, at a friend's house, just at home, in the, while I was giving her a bath, in the quiet of our own home, she would just go into tantrums. And when her tantrum didn't get, didn't work, didn't get me to understand what she was trying to say, then she would come and run and attack me. She would try and rip my shirt or bite me. And this went on for, like, I think I'm an intelligent man. I was looking for what was what was the reason behind it, but it went on for 15 years, sometimes three, four, 10 times a day. Thank God, not every day. But over the course of that span, it happened a lot. And finally, at about, after about 15 years of it, in the midst of her rage, I said to her, Lisa, I just can't understand your words. You know how much I want to understand you. Try and talk to me without using your words. Try and tell me what you're saying without words, because you, can put, you I know you can get through to me somehow. And from the midst of her rage, she had this smile that just melted my soul. And she said, I am daddy, perfect English. And I said, what the heck do you mean you are daddy? How are you doing that, you little son of a gun? How are you doing that? And she put her finger to the side of her head. And what I understood from that was that she was putting thoughts into my head. Because she couldn't speak, she had a greater ability to, to um, put thoughts in my, in my mind, to, to speak in thoughts. And I had felt that, but I just didn't trust it. And I said, you little son of a gun, have you been putting thoughts in my head? <laughs> and, yeah. and she did what you did, but just magnified a billion times because all of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the stress of not being able to communicate, finally realizing that somebody had hurt her. Her laugh became this Rambunctious, contagious laugh that I could—that she and I just stu- stood there, sat there, rolled there, laughing for what was like fifteen minutes, but it seemed like it was forty years. And suddenly, it loosened up something in us. And you know, from the moment that day happened, she's never screamed, she's never tantrumed, and she's never attacked. And Leandra, if the story ended there, it would be enough. But the story goes on. Because what I realized is that every single person that I know does exactly the same thing. CEOs in corporations do it. Employees in companies do it. Students in school do it. Teachers do it. Medical professional people do it. Government officials do it. Employees in the government do it. When they speak and they don't get heard, they yell. Look at what's happening in American politics right now. Right? When they speak and they don't get heard, they yell. When they yell and they don't get heard, they throw a tantrum. They create a scene and they just go crazy. They just, they just make chaos. When their chaos doesn't work, they start to attack. And what my daughter taught me, a developmentally delayed child taught me is if you retrofit that all back, it comes down to one thing. If we would listen to people and find a way to hear what they're saying, they would never need to yell they would never need to tantrum and they would never need to attack i'm talking about terrorists who wouldn't need to blow up buildings why do they blow up buildings the same reason because they just don't feel heard
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's so true i feel like most aggression or most um incidents that uh, yeah really influence the world on a, on a very dramatic level are usually caused back by what you just said, by um, the feeling of not being heard, which probably oftentimes traces from the childhood of of a person feeling that they didn't get enough or they were not seen or didn't get enough love or something like this. And um, yeah, it's such valuable words that you just shared that we need to find a language um, to listen to these people, which maybe is not always the same for everyone, I guess. But I wanted to step back from what you said earlier um about your wife that sounds like you had a pretty um yeah difficult and traumatic time um is there any tools that you used or any thoughts or any mindset that helps you deal with these kind of situations and um yeah make them more acceptable to your life and maybe even switch all of that into something positive
1: Great question. When I look back on that time, I can't imagine a time that is worse. And I'm sure there are. I'm sure people listening to me think, "Boy, you know, in, your your life has been pretty easy comparatively." You know, we've gone through real pain and suffering. But for me, once I experienced that pain of watching my wife go through that pain and suffering and realizing that there was not a thing I could do to change it, but I could just be there and hold the space for her to go through that, to love her, to stay with her, to not judge her for any of it, but just to, to be there for her, to experience her life the way she had to experience her life. In retrospect now, when I look back, what, what, is, what could possibly happen? that could be worse than watching someone you love just in, in blood-curdling, screaming pain. I look at some of the things that upset people now and I think, gosh, they, they, I'm, I'm almost dull to, to them. Not that I don't think they have the right to be upset. Everybody has the right to be upset by what they're upset at. But, but for me, those things can never upset me now. People people say, well, how about if someone says something bad about you, really? like like. What's that matter? I've gone through some of the most painful moments a person could ever go through by watching my wife just suffer there in pain and hold the space for it so the beautiful part of it for me is that when you hit the bottom of the barrel, there's no place up but there's no place to go but up and so everything that I encounter, whether that's that I have money in the bank or don't have money in the bank, whether it's people like me or don't like me, all fall so so uh, lightly in my life right now because what really matters is that when you watch someone you love pass my mom and dad also passed away that's the story of The Mosaic The Mosaic is the story about a boy who loses his parents two years apart on the same day and that day was July 4th which we just passed in America uh, It's it was Independence Day and the boy is just a child, and he asks his he asks the adults, where'd my parents go? And they tell him they're in a place called heaven. So as a boy, he sets out in search of the place called heaven, just like he sets out in the search of, of like getting a, a, a hamburger or, or a Coca-Cola. You know, he thinks that there's a place that he can actually go to, and he goes around asking people, where is this place called heaven? But the people he meets are not the saints and the sages and the, and the holy men and the women. They're the, they're the trash man and the street artist and the road worker and the homeless man and the, and the blind woman and the gardener and the juice man. He meets an assortment of very ordinary, regular people and he wonders, why in the world am I meeting these people? And he hears this voice that says, well, you're here with them, why not just sit? and listen to them, just sit with them, and listen to them tell you their story. And when he does that, and he listens to them tell their story, Landra, in 100% of the cases, he realizes that the person he originally saw when he came up to meet, to sit with them is not at all the person he was leaving now. Now they were completely, they had changed. They had morphed because he had sat and listened to him. They had become a completely different person to him. And suddenly he realized, boy, if that happens over and over and over and over and over again with all these people that I meet, that the way I see them is not who they are at all. It's just who I am. I wonder what in the world do I see that's right? Do I see the world the way it is or do I see the world the way I am? And at that moment, he looks over to the right and he sees a monk unzipping the sky and inviting him to walk through the, through the sky to a parallel reality where he meets the wise, the wise one, who's the keeper of the mosaic. And so I stopped there as a book trailer just to give people the sense of if they want to hear the rest of the story, I would love them to get the book. But the most important thing that I realized in that is the world I see is not the world that is. It's the world that I see. And when we realize that all the stories we've made up, all the ways we confront, we deal with the world, all the things that we believe may or may not be true, it opens up the world to this wholly different way of looking at the world we live in. Like, what if that's not true? Yeah, I believe it just like I believed what I believed when I saw these people. I thought the homeless man was, I had my certain judgments and preconceived notions of what the, when I sat with him, oh my God. And I'd love to tell you a story later Later, before we close of a homeless man, of of someone that I met who was exactly that, and it changed my life. Mm. And it's so beautiful to realize that nothing is as it seems. Nothing.
0: Mm. You talked about two different things and I want to go back to the one thing that you said um, about the death of your wife again and that um, in confronting death and seeing someone who passes that you love um, maybe basically uh, neutralizes everything around and makes things that you worried about before suddenly seems so small and not really important. And then you realize what's really important for you and where you want to put your focus in life. I have made some similar experiences because I saw my dad passing away. And for me, it was really a very similar outcome, which I've learned in that path of healing from that, that um, I could really see that in, in this, like seeing someone pass away, first of all, it's, it shows you that your life is so short as well compared to the length of that the universe and, and the planet, etc. And um, also everything you worried about before suddenly becomes like so small, the problems. But then I also focus back on um, how I want to live and what I want to do with my life and how I want to feel in that period of time that I've been given. And it completely shifted my whole life, um, into a so much more positive mindset and um, gave me so much healing and so much deeper connection to people. So sometimes we think, oh, it's it's a loss and that we should become depressive after that and suffer and be sad for that person to have left. But I see it now, now at least completely the opposite, that it gave me so many opportunities and um, that I have such a much more abundant and rich life now because of that and that everything happens for a reason i'm certain of that and that also this happened for exactly the reason that me and my siblings can now have a more abundant life so um yeah just going back on on what you said before and then also catching up on um what you said afterwards that everything basically is always the world is how we see it through our perspective and yes that we can change everything around us by just on the way we look. And I think we see it already on the morning where we wake up and maybe things go wrong uh, and we already have a bad mindset and then we see everything in such a negative way and then bad things happen to us and maybe we suddenly think we look ugly, um, we don't like the outfit we're wearing, we just encounter unfriendly people. But that's just because we see it through the lens of um, the the bad mood. But then we can also have the opposite experience where we see we're maybe freshly in love or something and we see everything through the famous um, pink glasses which basically is that concept that you see everything suddenly as so beautiful, but I think you can also learn how to see everything um, through the pink glasses without constantly being in love with a person.
1: <laughs> yes. So, I, and I, I completely, great summarization, and I completely agree with everything you said, and I, wanted, I want to put a little caveat in there. <laughs> there are people, and you've seen this happen, I'm sure, that there are people when you walk, that walk into a room and feel affected, especially empaths like ourselves. We walk into a room and we feel completely affected by the room and it makes us feel down or discouraged or whatever. And yet there are people that walk into that same room, empathic as well, that say, if the room has the power to change my consciousness, my consciousness also has the power to change the room and to not allow the world to dictate to us how we feel, but to invite the world and to invite this beautiful presence of the divine into us and say now more than ever is when I need you, Lord. Now more than ever is when I want want the universe to shine through me because I'm in a place where people are in pain. If, If you can use me as the vehicle to uplift their pain, Mm. So that just by being in the presence of this person, which is really not this person anymore, it's just a vehicle broken as I am for the divine to shine through, lift everybody in this room. Mm. And that's the way that I choose to live my life.
0: Mm.
1: It's no longer about... Am I overweight or underweight? Does my beard look good today or not look good today? Does my hair, did my hair work out or not work out? Who cares? I've seen some of the most beautiful people walk into a room and everybody flocks to them. And then two minutes later, everybody flocks away from them because they can't stand being around the, the presence that they have. Sometimes it's not that way. Sometimes beautiful people have a beautiful presence and they, and, and it all works. But I've also seen some of the ugliest people in the world walk into a room and people are scared to go up to them. But slowly over time, more and more people start to gather around them. And the beauty that emanates from the inside of that person is so magnificent that you can't help but want to be around them. Can I tell you one more story?
0: Of course, I just want to jump in and say that uh, there's a really nice phrase from Neil Donald Walsh. I'm sure you've heard of him, Conversations with uh, God, the author. Of
1: course, yeah.
0: Yeah, He said um, also, make it your daily task to lit up every single room you enter and heal this room. So I just had to think of that. And I thought that really, that. that moved me so much. And that really was a game changer for me, hearing this word. So. Uh, I love also what you just said. It really reminded
1: me. So thank you for saying that. I didn't realize you had said that. So I love that. Mm. So I met one of those people. It was a person that everybody scorned. Um, In my conversations, remember, I said I sat with the richest people in the world and some of the poorest people in the world. Well, the conversation I want to share with you today is from one of the poorest people that I've ever been around. I was walking down the streets of a town and I just felt I'm empathic and I just felt the energies of all the people on the streets with me. And it was it just overtook me. I, I tried as hard as I could to bring presence and light. I just couldn't do it in that moment. So I just realized I had, I needed to get to a corner and just sit and regroup and get myself in, in, back. And I came to this corner and there was homeless guy sitting there and he said, get away from me. This is my corner. You can't have this corner. I own this corner. And I said, I'm sorry, sir. I want nothing from you. As, as painful as you are in your life right now, you're, a, you're an island of comfort for me. Anything that anybody puts in your hat, I will 10 times it during the time that I'm here. So I'm not here to take from you. I'm here to just sit with you and, and, and uh, get to know you a little bit. And it took about 45 minutes for him to calm down and just let me be there with him and I was respectful of his space and I gave that to him, but I, but I sat with him and after about an hour, an hour and 15 minutes of just being with him, I looked at him and I said, Corey, you sit here and you watch people pass by all the time. Is there something you would like to say to these people? Because they don't even recognize you. They don't even notice you. But you notice them. They're just walking right by you. Sometimes three, four, five times a day. And he said to me, Danny, you know, being a homeless person is not an easy job. He said, even on the good days, it's not easy. But about three months ago, there was a lousy day. People seemed to just want to want to hurt me. People would come by. They would punch me. They would kick me they would yell obscenities, they would turn my hat over and take my money. One person even tried to urinate on me. And, and people just beat the hell out of me. And I thought, what am I doing? I'm serving nobody. I'm not, I'm, I'm not happy with the life that I have and I'm not bringing any pleasure to the world around me. So this evening when it gets dark, I'm gonna go around the corner to a more isolated street and I'm gonna take my life. Because I'm of no purpose. What am I doing here? Not two minutes later, a man came up to him and put his hand on his shoulder. And he said, he said, brother, how are you doing? And Corey told me tears started to pour down from his face. And he said, I'm not doing that well, sir. And the man, instead of leaving, sat beside him and held him. And he said, I'm here for you. Just talk to me. Corey looked at me and he said, Danny, you know, it only took about 10 minutes. But somehow in releasing all of this stuff to this man that I didn't even know, somehow I felt relieved and and uplifted. That man doesn't know that he saved my life that day. I've never seen him again. He has no idea the impact that he had from just taking 10 minutes to sit with me. Well, Corey has no idea that every podcast that I'm on, every talk that I give, every workshop that I do, every television show that I'm on, every speech that I make, I tell Corey's story. He has no idea that millions of people have heard his story. He has no idea the impact his story has made on people. And I asked him, what is it that you would tell people as a result of that? He said, if people would only take 10 minutes out of the course of their life and go up to somebody they they don't know and just ask them, how are you? And then just sit and listen. You don't need to fix them. You don't need to change them. You don't need to help them. You don't need to feel sorry for them. Just sit there and be with them. And between For me, between a 29 year old, developmentally delayed girl who was my daughter and a homeless man and a mosaic, I learned the greatest lessons of my life. And that is if I can share Corey's story and my daughter's story and the mosaic story of nothing is what it seems, sit with people you don't know and just ask them how they're doing and find a way to listen to what it is they're saying. That we would start a revolution of listening that would also help us listen to our own bodies. Our bodies are speaking to us. Our environment is speaking to us. Our businesses are speaking to us. Our families are speaking to us. Our children are speaking to us. Our medical profession is speaking to us. Everything is speaking to us if we would just take the time to listen. Mm. And what would we hear? I invite a revolution of listening to all the people who are listening now. It doesn't take long. It takes 10 minutes.
0: Mm. Wow, that is such an impressive story. That's really, really beautiful. And yeah. um what I've heard in, a, in another podcast is... um she stopped asking how are you but how is your heart or how is your heart feeling and I think that is so nice I want to start that as well but I I started it but in German there's not a good translation so I cannot really say it in German but in English Um, so I find that so beautiful because it goes deeper than just the regular in a shop or something in the United States where everyone's like hey how are you and you don't really feel seen actually but if you really ask it with sincerity and then asking how is your heart doing that already has such a depth and you feel surprised almost and and you feel seen by that and and heard and Yeah. yeah so always when i speak to english speaking people i yeah, started doing this or want to get it even more into my life.
1: So I know we have to go, but how is your heart then, Leandro?
0: <laughs> my heart is actually really good now.
1: <laughs> I love that. And
0: how is your heart?
1: <laughs> my heart is beautiful because I just feel, you know, the, the beauty of loving other people and the beauty of holding the space of love for people to be themselves, is that you can't help but be absorbed in the love that you feel. And when you're absorbed in the love that you feel, senseless, stupid little things just fall apart. Like think of the way we started our conversation in the, in the green room of the diversity and the kind of conflict that's going on in America. My, my job, I made I made a line in the sand that may first I was going to leave to go around the world and travel and sit and covid mr covid came and said no you're not not on my watch so the Jews have a great saying they say man plans and god laughs and i think she's having a great laugh on me now but but i invite anybody who feels to to contact to contact me and be a part of our 50 conversations with 50 strangers mm or uh,
0: 50,000 maybe more. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, well, I, well, and I'll do a, I'll do a thousand, I'll do 10,000, I'll do a million. And, and the whole idea is then we'll put together that into sort of a documentary of just how people, what people would say when they just, the space is there for them to say it. Hmm. And I wanna just reemphasize, it is so easy to love and accept another person. It is so easy to listen and hear what another person's saying it is so easy to acknowledge that that's what they're saying and validate them for saying it Mm -hmm. try it
0: Mm. i think it's also good that you emphasized again that it's so easy because sometimes we tell ourselves that things are hard and then obviously these things will be hard because we tell ourselves that that's the truth so yeah thank you again for saying that it's easy and we should just try it because that's what also shapes us our reality and that's how word can words can shape our reality again and the way we think um i would like to ask you for the end a few quick uh, fire questions uh, where sure. you can just give your first short answer to it um what can we do today to uh, for more self love
1: love ourselves
0: <laughs> that was short and easy <laughs> What's your favorite dish?
1: Favorite dish? Mm-hmm. You mean to eat food? food? Yes. <laughs> right now, my favorite dish is this Thai pot, um, uh, that uh, a, thai, a Thai meal with noodles and peanut butter sauce and vegetables and tofu.
0: Ooh, that sounds delicious. What, what can we do today for a better health?
1: Listen, just listen to your body. Ask your body what it's trying to say to you, and then just be quiet.
0: When do you feel the more, most pure, happy, and healthy with yourself in your life?
1: Um, I don't know that I feel more or less happy anytime. time. I, I m- most days, I feel so content and happy with the person that I've become, and it's just a process. It's just a process of never giving up, believing that God comes through you. Because I'm, if I, there's so many flaws in this body. But Yogananda, my teacher, used to say, y- Yogananda doesn't live here anymore. God lives here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I strive for that place where this person that you see doesn't live here. This is just the the outer shell for what lives inside me which is Mm -hmm. always the presence of God that's the love affair that I spoke about Mm. as being a monk when you invite that presence how can you be unhappy how is one moment better than another
0: when you're in the palm
1: of God's (laughs) hand you can be up here and the view looks greater you can be down here and the view looks from the bottom but you have to remember you're still in the palm of the hand.
0: <laughs> I like that analogy. Um, and one more question. Um, was there any movie or any book that was a, a bit of a game changer or taught you something that was extraordinary for you?
1: The first book that changed my life was Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. Mm-hmm. I, it changed my life. Mm-hmm. The book that's changing my life right now, and it's a little self-serving, I don't mean it to, but it's just totally taken over me, is The Mosaic, the book that's behind me.
0: Mm. I knew that you would say that. You put the thought in my head already, (laughs) I think. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't Uh...
1: recommend to people enough. It's a simple Mm. little fable. This story is charming, it will touch your soul, but the space between the words will change you. Mm. And just allow yourself to make the perceptual shifts that this simple little story that shows. Mm. There are so many things that are buried in it, and it isn't because I wrote it. I tried to write it, and it took me three years to try and write it until the characters came like a Zoom, like we're on Zoom right now. The characters came into me like a Zoom screen, and I said, why are you keeping this from being written? What is? What am I not hearing? And they said, we don't wanna say what you're saying. We want to say we want you to listen to what we're saying and write what we're saying and even today sometimes people will read back to me when they interview me they'll read back to me something in the book and I can't believe it I, I don't know where it's coming from I know I can't believe that's from the mosaic because it's just it's like so fresh and new to me. <laughs> That's so, cool. I invite everybody to pick it up. It's available on Amazon mm. it'll be it's a quick read you'll I think you'll enjoy it
0: I'll definitely link to that on the show notes and um, obviously also to your website and the work that you're doing um, so what's the best platform to connect uh, with you if people want to reach out um besides your project also with the um fifty conversations
1: um, if you go to uh, DanielBruceLevin.com. You'll be able to see most of what I'm doing. Fifty Conversations is just something I'm doing on. You can go to my YouTube channel to see the Fifty Conversations, and I can send you the link to that.
0: Cool. So just Um, Fifty Conversations is
1: just something down and dirty, just just really quick, and I'm just putting it on YouTube until we put it into a documentary that I want to create. Cool. But I just wanted to get people's Mm -hmm. stories out there.
0: Yeah, so I will also link your website so then people can connect through that. And it was such an honor to have you here in my podcast. And I'm really grateful that we got to speak so long about so many diverse and interesting topics. And um, yeah, so is there any... Me too.
1: Thank you for having (laughs) me. You are such a beautiful soul. And I hope this is the beginning of our conversation, not the end.
0: I'm certain that we will have another conversation. As I said in the beginning, one hour always passes quickly. Um, the conversations always flow and there's so much more to say. So I'm sure we will speak again soon about so many more topics. And I'm excited to have you on my show again.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
0: Wasn't that such a deep talk and so much new knowledge and wisdom? I really, really enjoyed having him on my show and you can find all the information in the show notes to him that will link to his book and his podcast and himself. And yeah, I'm also really happy if you get in touch. And um, yeah, it's always Good to hear from you about my podcast and please, please share my podcast and write me a review. I know I'm saying this all the time, but uh, like this, we can reach more people and spread the positive news and all this knowledge and wisdom. So I'm saying thank you and yeah, don't forget to be the best version of yourself and yeah, just try to listen to other people around you and yeah, that will just make there's such a much more better world. (laughs) Much love from you.